You're listening to the Home Staging Show podcast. I'm your host, Cindy Lin. This is a show where we talk about all things real estate, home staging, and selling your home to live and to sell. Welcome back to season 12. This is episode four. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Home Staging Show. I've got Shay Butler on the show today, and we had such a good time chatting. We actually talked for two hours. It's probably the longest interview I've ever done since the inception of this show. So I split the interview into two, so you can catch part two next week. But I think this is a really great episode to listen if you're new to the home staging business or you are about to start in your home staging career. We did talk a lot about imposter syndrome,、um, especially when you're first starting out, and also how to get clients to book you all the time. Learning how to stage, learning how to improve your skills, and also how to build your home staging portfolio. And some of the things we also talk about are a lot of things that maybe new home stagers may not be aware of until they get into the industry and start working. And especially the part on honing in to the client experience to really help you differentiate yourself as a new stager. So we talk all about that today, so that you won't make the same mistake that I made as a new home stager. So I hope this episode will be very beneficial for you. And do join our Facebook group, The Home Staging Show, to comment. On the show itself, where you can do the comments in the show notes too. I would love to hear from you and know what you think about the episode. And of course, if you have a chance, please do leave a review or rating on iTunes, because that's going to help us build our show and also invite more amazing guests onto the show as well. And I also want to invite you to our Black Friday event. I can't believe it's almost Thanksgiving time. I've got something really special in store for you, and the holidays is going to be the perfect time for you to get re-inspired and re-educate yourself and get ready for a new year. So I'm super, super, super excited about this new event that we're doing. And if you're not signed up on our newsletter yet, please do because we're going to announce it through our newsletter. But you follow us on Instagram, also in our Facebook group, we'll announce it there as well. You can go to our website at sagemore.com, and you can find all sorts of free training as well. Like I just recorded a brand new forty-minute training on how to leverage your home staging newsletter and turn that into your goldmine for your home staging business. So you can find all our free trainings by go to our website, go to the menu bar, and select free training for home stagers. And I'll link this stuff in the show notes as well, so you have access to them. So let's find out a little bit more about Shay today. So in 2015, Shay had two little kids and a house to sell. Knowing the house needed to sell fast, and with a little bit of HGTV overconfidence, she staged it. It sold within two days. From there, she staged houses for a real estate agent as a hobby until she made it into a real business. There have been a lot of mistakes, success stories, and also great relationships made along the way. Her home staging business, Sparrow Staging and Design, has been growing by word of mouth ever since she started. She now does redesign projects, help investors design flips, and has even flipped houses for herself. Whether it's a house, a person, or relationship, she loves being part of the transformation process and helping people reach their goals. It's the joy of helping people finding their way home. I cannot wait to get started. Let's start the show. Hi Shay, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. So before we get started, tell us a little bit about your home staging business and how did you get started as a stager? Hey Cindy, first I have to say thank you tremendously for even having me here. I think this is awesome that you do your show. How I got started was a long time ago. I did my first house. I was selling a house. I had two little kids, 
and I'd watched enough HGTV to feel like I could do this. And so I staged that house. It sold pretty fast. And from there, I was like, okay, I think I can, I think I can do this. But I didn't start actually staging for a long time. It took some years, even after that house sold, I would just kind of help some friends or whatever, redesign their rooms. It was when I said, okay, I want to go ahead and start staging, but I didn't know what I was doing. So I reached out to a couple of the larger staging companies in my city because I was just going to go work for a stager. Yeah. And when I didn't get any phone calls back and it was like, okay, you know, I have this job. This person wants staged. Let me just go do it. And that's how it started. That's crazy. Wouldn't it? Like if they had called you back, you, you already have a job lined up to go. They could have taken that job and just pay you a portion of it. And now you have your own business. Right. I was an accidental entrepreneur. I wasn't trying to have my own business. It was just, they didn't call back. And I said, okay, this person still needs to have some staging done. Let me just Go ahead and do it. That's great. I love it. And so did you have any confidence issue? Because I know when when I wanted to book you on the show and you were like, I feel major imposter syndrome. I don't even have a website ready. And you're just like, I'm not sure. So what, what gives you the confidence now, you think? I still struggle with it. I'm not going to sit here and lie. I still struggle with having the confidence to go out and stage or go out and talk to different people. I still struggle with it. Whether it was... Now, if I knew the person, I I didn't have a problem. But at the end of the day, this person still needs staging done. So I still have to go out and do my job. I have to do the job that they hired me to do. And that's really it. I still go in there nervous. I literally will go through... And I don't know if you, you did this. I'm sure you did. I will do a living room five times and I'll take my little pictures and I'll look at them like, okay, okay, that doesn't look right. That doesn't look right. Oh, what can I do? You just do it. I know I call it the pillow dance. It's always like, (laughs) ooh, wait, I just had it. Wait. Yep. (laughs) Like, did you ever do that thing where you're, where you take pictures of it and you're looking at it and you're like, this is wrong. This doesn't look right. I mean, yeah, actually, because me and my sister work together when we were staging and then sometimes like this, it's two of us. There's no third person. So mm-hmm. it needs to be like, we need to break the vote, quote unquote. So then we'll just like, okay, let's take a picture and then see what it says because camera kind of shows everything. So, oh, it does not lie. <laughs> it does not. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's how we break the vote usually. I mean, I, I think this is why I want to bring up and thank you so much for being so open to discuss it because I think sure. people don't really talk about it, you know? And I think it's really important to recognize that even seasoned homestagers still go through the butterflies. I mean, like, even when I was staging at year eight, nine, 10, 11, I was still, sometimes I was like, what do you think? Like, I still get the butterfly, you know, my sister doesn't, or maybe she just doesn't tell me, but like, <laughs> I will actually be like, you know, I feel really nervous about this job. She'll be like, why? <laughs> you know, like, I think she's less attached to the business than I am, but she kind of got dragged into it after she graduated from college. So she's just like, <sighs> You're overthinking it. Like, stop being stupid. Just do it. It's fine. Isn't it always crazy? Yeah. And she's always like, you know, if we did a bad job, then no one will hire us. But because people are hiring us, that means we must be doing a good job. And I was like, you're right. (laughs) 
<laughs> but see, when we're in it, when you're standing in that house, you're like, but is this the best I could do? Is this the best for me? I'm like, is yeah. this the best that I could give? Is this the best that I can do? And I'm trying to make sure that it is. So like for somebody that's not attached to it, they're probably like, I don't know why you're going crazy over this. It's some pillows, like put them on the bed and let's get moving. Whereas for us, I think it's that creative thing too, where you just want to end the, the service part of it. You want to make sure that that client's happy. Yeah. And you want to make sure that those buyers that come in love it. I think there's like that inner perfectionist kind of thing. Like you want to be, you want to make it perfect. But obviously we know it's not possible because I think staging and interior selling, it can be also very subjective. You know, we're trying to do it the be- to our best ability and also try to appeal to a larger group of people, not just a very specific demographic, even though we have that in mind when we stage. But it's also very subjective. It's people, you know, the way they think what looks beautiful can be very different. And so oh, yeah. we can only go by our best. And the thing is, this is why your, your portfolio is so important because it's like a really strong communication tool for your clients to really understand, okay, this Cindy stages this way and Shay stages this way. And, you know, it's fine. They have different perspective, but we really need to figure out what's best for the house. Oh yeah. I think you, I agree. Your portfolio is extremely important and I've only been doing this for about a year, but I do feel like your portfolio is important. And when you're just starting out, you don't know what your real style is. I I think you don't really know and you have to do some houses and then you kind of start to see that pattern. And for me, after every stage, I'm studying the photos. Like, what does this angle look like? And I know that you do a lot with photography and you teach the class on on angles, of course. It's super important because the way I see it is not always the way that camera picks it up. And the most important is how is that camera person picking up those angles? And so it's just little things that I've learned through your show, through other stagers, through studying, honestly. It's really and truly studying studying just other stage or studying your own work. And that's the only way you really get better. Yeah. And actually, and Sia, who was one of our speakers at StagerCon this year, she was very gracious. She actually did a bonus warehouse tour. And then she was saying that like a lot of it, how she trains her team to how they stage is really about showing them photos. So after staging, they'll do a debrief to look at photos, to see what went well, what didn't went well, what didn't go well. And then also they look at, photos from magazines, just really analyzing and picking it apart. Like, why does this composition work really well? Actually, I had an idea this this today, actually, I, I think it would be really fun to do like a more visual show where I go through my favorite interior design books or like styling yeah. books and we can just go over composition kind of thing. Because I, I love composition. I think a lot of times the camera does look at interiors differently than us human eyes because mm-hmm. even though cameras designed to mimic a human eye, it's not an exact replica. It's a machine. And our eyes are amazing. Like when we walk into a dark space from a bright space, our eyes automatically adjust. Whereas a camera is going to be like, uh, 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 it's going to try to do that. And it's not, it's never going to be perfect. And um, our eyes automatically see depth. And the camera doesn't like a camera flattens everything in a scene. And that's why yeah. staging for fo- like your photography for your portfolio is very different. I think when like real estate agents just, sh- just standing in the photographer shooting 
large wide angle room shots. And I think those are kind of the differences we need to understand that our portfolio photos can really grab the attention to potential buyers. Oh, absolutely. It, it, I think it's almost like when you're shopping online too. Like let's say you're shopping on Amazon. Sorry, Amazon. But there's some, <laughs> there's some like sometimes if the picture looks a little sketch, I don't, I'm not going to buy it. I'm like, let me find the same item someplace else. And it's the same thing with our portfolios. Mine, of course, I'm still building it. But what I did was studied a lot of other well-established stagers, not just in my own area, but just across the country. Just studied their photos to see what it looks like. Does this look, does it give you that restoration hardware vibe? And if that's my vibe and that I want to go for, does it give you that anthropology? Does it give you that, what do you want to go for? And I think that that's kind of showing your personality too. What yeah. look are you going for? And it needs to be a consistent kind of thing. I found yeah. that for myself. And I don't know, like for you, did you find it, there were certain periods of time, like you, all of your clients or a lot of your agents wanted one look. Like right now, everybody's like, I kind of want that farmhouse look. <laughs> and I'm kind of like... <laughs> Effing Joanna Gangs, man. Like, I, <laughs> like the whole thing. I mean, they even made fun of it on Saturday Night Live. You know, oh, just do that shiplap thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just just put some shiplap on it. It's fine. But, but yeah, I think I think there there are there are definitely trends that go through interiors and stuff. And I think this is why, as a stager, you constantly have to educate yourself. Because people, a lot of times, people are like, Cindy, how do you figure out what inventory to buy? Like, what is you know, what is on trend versus what is going to last you. And I think that has yeah. to do with a lot of like personal education, like, like loving. One of the things I do all the time is like pick up cat- catalogs from like Party Barn, West Elm. I always, almost every time there's a new one, I always go through a page, you know, front to back basically, because I want to know where some of the upcoming trends are that we can incorporate into the accessories. When I'm buying inventory, I always buy very neutral furniture pieces because they're really the strong background pieces, but it's really home accessories that can be really interchanged all the time Mm -hmm. and really to be a little bit more on trends. And also investing in lifestyle accessories is really not as expensive as investing in a sofa, you know, like buying a little nightstand, you know, like a little, I, I use a lot of little animal things, like how anthropology is with like birds and stuff. I have a lot of little foxes figuring that I collected over the years while I was staging. I use them on nightstands and everything. And those are kind of trendy things, you know, like fox is kind of like the cool trendy animal, you know, for a yeah. while. And then we got corgis now. So those are kind of different yeah. things that, you know, you, you can do to stay on trend, but it's not going to cost you a lot, but it looks like your inventory is always changing. So oh, yeah. to be a smarter shopper, I think like, studying catalog is a really great way to do it especially like you know things like restoration hardware we talk about West Elm. this is not commercial for any furniture company but no they use catalog to sell you know they sell spaces and then they sell the idea of lifestyle and then they sell this 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 dream almost like accomplished through fluffy towels and tchotchkes and artwork and stuff <laughs> oh, so yeah. it, it's a really actually good education like just going through catalog to see what really works for them and the interesting thing is i used to actually work on photo shoes and pari barn because they're headquartered in san francisco so i actually used to work on photo shoes for pari barn for a few times and it's really interesting to see the transformation because like hmm. there are people actually just rent out their houses for location like it's basically they live 
in a show home essentially, but they have really good bones. So like they would invest in a beautiful like marble countertop that they would basically protect when they live in it. You know, they always have some sort of cover for their countertop. So they actually not live in it, but it's like pristine. It's perfect for photo shoots. That's and they would rent out the location for two to $5,000 a day. And so party barn would come in and they would just shoot at these homes all the time. And they shoot always at really like the same houses over time. So that's why there's also a consistency in their catalog. It's like pretty much the same three to five houses all the time. I mean, the like there's they shoot there so often, like when the crew comes in, the dog comes up and say hi. You know? <laughs> the dogs are used to them. Like they know who they are. And I never knew so, that. Yeah, so it's like really consistent. And the thing is like, say we will shoot something in the kitchen, like we're shooting lunch bag, for example. And then so then they will block off this section of the kitchen and just shoot in it. And but you obviously still have stylists that brings in accessories in obviously pottery barn products and stuff or whatever company we're shooting, and then they will style the space to to really create that that atmosphere they want to sell. And there's a there's obviously a directive, there's a visual guide of how everything needs to be styled. But yeah, it, that's that's essentially what we do for staging. We're selling the space. We're not selling the catalog. We're not selling the you know all the stuff inside but we are selling this space. And I think that's something that a lot of new stagers might not fully realize it yet, but we are selling a dream. It's not, yes. just, it's not just the four walls. Like we are selling a dream. And if you talk about, if you talk to top producers who believe in staging and use staging consistently within their marketing package, they recognize that, you know, to hire a home stager is not just to hire someone to dress the house. It's to create this aspirational lifestyle that their buyers want. They're selling this dream that if you move into this house, this is the dream place you're going to have. Yes. And this is why people love going to model homes. You know, it, it is a dream. Oh, yeah. And I think that that's a lot of the thing that I know for myself when I first started, you don't really know. Because again, when you're watching TV, they just show up one day and then, oh, it's amazing and beautiful. And you don't really see the behind the scenes of chugging all this stuff in the car and getting all this stuff moved there and who had to carry the headboard. <laughs> like you don't see all the, the work that goes into it. And the, the bigger part of the work, I think that we don't really get or that kind of gets glossed over is exactly what you said. We're not selling the stuff. We're selling the house. And one of the things that you said in one of your earlier, earlier podcast was selling, we sell the story. You have to tell the story of the house. And that was like, okay, story. And that was the switch for me. If this is not decorating. And so I no, think that a lot of times when we're yeah. starting out, especially people, I get a lot of like stay-at-home moms or friends and they're like, I really want to stage. Okay. Well, and I'll sometimes have them come with me and they're like, I didn't know it was all this. Yes, honey. It's not sexy. This is what we do. It is lugging all this stuff in here. <laughs> it's all these things. And then when they, I'll like let them do a room or let them do a space and it'll, they're like, okay, this looks good here. And I'll have to say, okay, hey, so this looks great if we're decorating, but if we're staging, you're not decorating you're selling the room it needs to sell like to tell a story and one of my things is I always am very big on I'm helping people find their way home it needs to look like a home we need to look like we have fun here nobody ever argues it just cleans itself up 
food just miraculously shows up on the stove. Just it needs to look like a great life. And I think that's the difference between staging and decorating. And I have to sometimes tell our homeowners, I'm sure you've had these conversations. It's not about what we like. It's not about what I like. It's not about what you like. It's about what do the majority of buyers like? What is going to make a buyer come in here and say, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm home. And that's what sells. No, I totally agree with that. And I think storytelling is such a strong piece in what we do, but also how we sell ourselves as well. And this is why like in teaching, I always like really push for this idea of what is the story that you're telling as a home stager through the home that you're staging, but also what is that story saying about who you are as a home stager? Because the way you approach staging a house, it's probably going to be very, it's maybe not very different, but it's also going to be different than how I would approach Mm. staging a house. You know, like I think everybody brings in their own flair into it, like their own personality and the way they do things. But that's also why it makes it such an interesting career because everybody has their own interpretation. And, And that's why I think for agents, I think a lot of times I see stagers talking about like their frustration with real estate agents. But I also feel like, like from a client point of view, you have to understand they have to hire the right stager to, mm-hmm. to stage his house. So maybe you're really strong in this particular area, but you're not so strong in this other area. The real estate agent knows that. They, as a client, they see it. So maybe they will hire another stager. That doesn't mean that they're not loyal to you. That just means that they have to make the best decision for their house. So Sometimes don't blame the client, like, oh my God, like, I can't believe he hired another stager. But more like maybe have a dialogue and say, hey, I love your new listing, da da da. And I, I want to know, like, is there anything we can improve on our end to stage your listing next time? Because I really want to understand maybe there's something that we're not hitting that you feel like we're not delivering that we can improve on. Absolutely. I recently had that conversation. Like I literally just had to have that conversation. I think last week with an agent that I'd done a lot of work for, all of our projects have all been successful. They sell quickly. They've all been great. But this particular listing, they chose to go a different direction. And it was a completely different direction to the point where some other agents were like, I don't think you did that. You didn't do that, did you? And I'm like, no. They're like, no, no. That wasn't me, you know, that wasn't me. And you don't say anything bad because we all started from somewhere, like, right? Like we all started from somewhere because I've looked at my first stagings and going, oh my God, I can't even believe that I put that in that room. Like it was horrible. But we had to have the conversation of, hey, you know, just what can we do, you know, better next time? Like what areas can we improve on or some feedback or, you know, but those are the conversations that you have to have because it just makes you better. That's it. Like, regardless of what they say, it's to make you better. It makes you better in having the hard conversation and it makes you better in whatever their feedback is and how you handle that. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I feel like doing business, sometimes it's like, you just have to put your big girl pants on and then have adult conversations, you know, because we are adults now. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Like, come on. It's okay. We all make business decisions. And at the end of the day, I had to let the agent know, like, I understand it's a business decision. I just wanted to know from my own standpoint, what we could do better the next time. If there even is a next time, I don't know if they're going to continue to use that stager or not, but what can we do better so that we can all grow? I know in my area, there's been over over 346,000 
real estate transactions just in a 12 month period in one zip code. <laughs> like it, it's, it's ridiculous. So there's plenty of, of houses that need to be staged, but I just want to be better for my clients and better for that next staging job. Yeah. And I think clients see that as well. Like if you're constantly striving to improve yourself and improve your staging as well and asking for feedback, I think client really likes that as well because it means that you're taking your job very seriously. I do. And I think that we we should. And especially when you're getting started, you're trying to build a reputation and you don't want that reputation to be, well... You don't want it to be inconsistent for one. You want to always deliver and you want to progress every time. And you want to make sure that you are, even if you don't do great, even if you don't knock it out of the park, make sure at least the thing that you can control is your own attitude. You can control the effort that you put into that job and you can control the communication that you have with that client. Those are well beyond your control. And I think that if we make sure that all of that's positive, they may or may not like the staging. That's that's okay, but at least they're not going to walk away and say, "Okay, I don't like her at all. She's got a bad attitude." No, so at least make sure you know that you're good to work with. You yeah, can get ten stages in the same spot, and we're all going to stage that same room differently. Yeah. That's the thing. And that's why, like, I think the client sees that as well. I mean, because they hire stagers all the time and they also talk in the offices as well. Like, mm-hmm. also the other thing too, is like, I think attitude and like the ease to work with is really important because the real estate transaction is actually really stressful. It can actually fall apart at any point. I think that's something a lot of new stagers yeah. may not be aware of. And so they're like, oh my God, a real estate agent didn't call me back. I'm like, they probably have 10 other people they have to call back first. Oh, yeah. And if it's nothing urgent, most of the time I've learned in real estate, if you don't get any calls, usually that's the good news. Because every time you get a call, it's like, I've got a problem. And either I'm really mad or I'm really, really in a time crunch. So, so yeah. So a lot of times it's like, agent also sometimes need that space. Like they need to be able to hold the transaction together. And it can be very yeah. stressful. It can. And I think that like for me and even for you coming from having a, being a realtor for so long before having a, a staging company and for me being around real estate for what feels like forever, we have a different perspective, right? So most people, they don't, they're not accustomed to it. They don't understand that there are 12 other people that are involved in this one transaction, So anything can go wrong. And there's a bunch of different attitudes. It's a high stress situation. And that agent is dealing with not just you, they're dealing with maybe the lawn guy, the cleaning crew, the seller. That's just a whole ball by itself. So they're dealing with so many different pieces. So I think that as a stager, we, I know for me, I try to come in and be the easiest piece to deal with in that whole transaction. Because if you don't have to call me, (laughs) then we're good. If I don't get a, hey, what is this? I don't like this pillow. I've had, <laughs> I've had that. And I'm like, okay, well, you know what? That's fine. Or I had someone call and say a picture was cricket. Okay. They well, literally, said, and that's what you do. You get back in that car <laughs> and you drive that 45 minutes in my case and you go fix it. And yeah. Say, okay. And that, but that's the service side of it. And I think that I know for me, I didn't realize going into this, it is very much service heavy. And I 
in the questions that I'm getting, and I, so I'm sure, okay, so with you, teaching and being an agent and being a photographer and having a staging company, when people approach you, like, are they more focused on the staging part or do they even realize that there's a whole service side of this? No, I think most stagers come in because they want to do something creative and it looks really fun. Like I, I actually answered an email today. This woman's like, I really like to do the before and after stuff and what course should I take? And she sent me her sample photos. But the thing is like, I can tell immediately she's not really thinking it from a business standpoint. Like, so sometimes I get the criticism on our podcast feedback that I'm really like mean to new stagers. <laughs> I'm not being mean intentionally because if I were mean, I wouldn't have a podcast at all because podcast is free, but I had to hire someone to edit it. So it cost me money actually to run it. But for me is that I want to be very like frank about this because I think if you're coming in from this very romantic idea of what staging is like, you're going to really hate it once you get into the business side of things. And I think a lot of times, sometimes people don't come in and realize it's actually a full business. So I'm very um, honest upfront. I said that actually in home staging, in the beginning, you're probably a one person shop. You're going to spend 80% of your time running the business and only really 20% of time doing the creative side of things, which is staging. There's actually a lot of things involved because it's a high ticket, you know, it's selling a house. It's, you know, like even a starter home, you're in a smaller market where a starter home maybe is $100,000. That is still $100,000, you know? Right. Most people average make maybe $35,000 a year. That's three years worth of income, okay? So it's a lot of emotions. And a lot of times people are selling their house, not because of happy occasion that they're moving on to a bigger house. Maybe it's a divorce. Maybe it's a yeah. death in the family. I've been in a lot of situations where there are four different brothers and sisters inherited this house and they have four different ways of thinking of how to approach it. There's always a sibling who's doing really well, who doesn't, leave, who doesn't need the money and wants to keep the house like a museum, like a shrine to their parents. There's always a sibling that doesn't do as well and wants to sell it as much as possible and not to spend any money, you know, so like you have to be kind of like, you know, like you, ha- you kind of have to navigate all that emotions, you know, and also Agent might have a bad day. They also have, you know, fears that the transaction is going to fall through. You really have to be very delicate. There's going to be a lot of service involved. You can be dealing with a new agent who maybe this is his first listing and he's very insecure about it. And he's afraid that every little thing is going to like turn off the buyer. And then so then you really need to go over the top in terms of services to really make him feel good about using you as a stager. And so there's actually a lot of human emotions involved. It's just not like, oh, I moved the house in, make things look pretty, then it's done. Sometimes the client may have control issues as well. So you actually have to be very patient and then actually educate the client. Like we talked about earlier, like, you know, what we're doing here is not really for you, it's for the buyers. So even though you might hate this pillow choice, but it's great for your demographic because there are hipster millennials who love this color palette even though you hate it. But it's for them, not for you. You know, like you had to be, you had to be really good about it and then maybe have a, a sense of humor about it. But sometimes people will take their day out on you, unfortunately. And that does happen, but you just have to let it roll off your back. It's business. It's not personal. And you just have to deal with it. Like we said earlier, put your big girl pants on and just keep on. <laughs> Calm. But that's what you have to do. You have to put those big girl pants on and say, okay, this is not about me. 
and you keep it moving. That That's all you can really do. But I think that we don't, like you were saying, we don't focus on the service. Because when I got into it, I got into this because somebody told me, no, I didn't get into this saying, oh my God, I want to have a business. I'm a businesswoman. No, ma'am. I got into this because I got like no feedback. That's the reason why. And so from, and then I got into it at the time I was in a relationship with a real estate agent who did not even believe in staging. Like, really? Come on now. <laughs> He was just like, I don't understand the point. I'm awesome. I can sell a house. It doesn't need staging. It's going to sell anyway. Okay. <laughs> so it was, it, it's all of these different things that when you're jumping into this, it's more to it than putting things in the house and making it pretty. Then I know that yeah. we don't really spend enough time because the, because the industry is so creative focused. It's, it's more about your creativity. We, I don't know that we really spend a lot of time focusing on mindset. And focusing uh-huh. on the service part of it, because that's what's going to honestly make you different. I remember I had one agent. I was going to go do their D stage. And I said, OK, hey, where should I drop your sign off in your key box? And she just was like, what? I was like, well, there's no need for you to come back to the house. So I'm here already. I can just drop your sign off in your key box. And she's just like, nobody has ever offered to do that. And in my mind, I'm sitting here going... There's no point for her to drive 45 minutes to come and pick up a sign in a key box. I'm already here. Let me just take it back by the office. And she was like, no, that's okay. I'll have to, I have to come by there anyway. But it was the fact of adding value. Yeah. And I think that that's something that we've got to, it's something that I'm focusing on right now is how can I add value to just any and every person? Yeah, I, I, I agree with that 100%. I think the peace of mind is very important when clients are hiring you, especially a real estate agent. They're terrified that Sager is going to say something wrong in front of their clients mm-hmm. to make them look bad. That's the thing. Like, like I think I, I feel kind of horrible for real estate agent in a way because I feel like that position is so fear-driven. It's like at any point, your transaction yeah. can fall apart. If you had a bad inspection, that transaction is going to fall apart. I think... And there's so many different things that can really just break that transaction or make the sellers mad at you because they only really see what real estate agent presents to them. They kind of kill the messenger in a way. And so if you can instill that peace of mind with your clients, then they're going to keep hiring you. Because like, for example, one of our top producer clients, why they love us because they know once they hire me, it's a done deal. Like I will deliver and then the photographer can come on time and not only that, after I stage it, I re-deliver the keys back to their office. So they don't even have to make an extra drop to come. So my real estate agent can go pick up their kids without worrying about if the house is going to be done or not. Because I'm going to stay there. The, pho- the photographer is already included in our package. So they just know it's a done deal. They book me, they get the contract signed, and then they paid. That's it. That's all I need to worry about. They they tell me where the key is going to be. I let myself in. I do the thing. Photographer comes, and they just get it within twenty four hours. It's done. But so, like, don't we all want that though? Like, we all just want to be able to like yeah. not have to worry. So if we can yeah. deliver that, that's it. That's really that's it. no secret to it. And so I think the client experience part is so important. And that's the thing. I think most people are attracted by the creative side of it. But the thing is like, you also need to be business-minded as well. And that's why when I started the school, I just really wanted to have a really strong business foundation course. 
Because most stagers come in already have some sort of sense of style. They know how to stage. But it's really the business part that they find a lot of blockage. And, and I think really honing in that client experience, like understanding what exactly makes them pick you as a stager, really hone in on that in your marketing, and then also deliver it as well. It's really, really important because it's the overall yeah. experience. And if they had a bad experience with you, it's not the end of the day, but depending on how you handle that experience, how you make it up for them, that is really going to make or break you as a home stager as well. Let's say like, you, they walk into a house and an artwork fell over for some whatever reason and it shattered. And then for some reason, the glass scratched the floor. How do you fix it as a home stager and how quickly do you fix it? It's going to make an impact on the client's impression of you. And if they feel like they can trust you to re-deliver the satisfaction they want, because most of the time clients find this is usually be- because it's right before the open house. Right. And then they need to do something really quickly to fix that. And so if you can help them to remedy that or like give them a solution, if you're like an hour away, you're on another job site, but you can give them a quick solution to figure out what the problem is and how to solve it, they're going to be so appreciative of that because you're a problem solver for them. So they're going to keep yeah. hiring you. Because I think that's one of the things too, real estate agent is actually really afraid of problems because they get, every time they get a call, there's a problem. <laughs> that's the thing. They're, they're a fixer. And then so the less things they have to fix, the better it is for them. Yeah. And, and they, they, like you said earlier, like, you know, they do work with not only just us as home stager, but also photographer, the landscaper, the cleaner, the painter, and the seller as well. So they have to make all these trips all the time to the house you can just even save them one trip, right? That's maybe a one hour round trip drive. Yeah. They're going to be so happy because that's one hour they get back to spend with their kids, to cook or whatever it is that they do or watch Netflix. I don't know. <laughs> whatever you know, like, it is. Hate watch some, you know, awful <laughs> show on television, like Mary at First Sight. Uh, oh, God. Watch. Yeah. So like, oh. if you can give that time back to them, they're going to love you. And yeah. That's how we can create longevity and really a relationship with clients and not afraid that, oh, they're going to ditch us when someone younger and cheaper comes along. You sound like it's a hot date, but it, I guess it kind of is. I do. <laughs> I, actually, I use so many dating and like relationship analogy in staging, in client relationship, really, because it's like, it's, it's also a power dynamic. And I also use dating analogy of finding clients. You know, if you like a sporty guy, like, Go, you know, join a running group. Like, that's how you meet a sporty guy. You're not going to meet a sporty guy in a library. It's the same no. thing with, you know, clients. If you want to do business with real estate agents, go to where they hang out. You know, you're not going to meet any of them sitting at home by yourself. Although in COVID time, it's a bit different. <laughs> right. But you can do online presentations. There's so many things you can do to still do marketing and attract clients into your marketing funnel. It's not like, I'm just going to give up and sit at home and cry and eat chocolate. I'm going to tell you right now, my secret, I don't do any marketing. <laughs> so that, so I'll have to talk to you later about like this whole marketing situation because I've been so blessed and fortunate that my clients are have all been word of mouth. Like amazing, all of it. No, because sometimes when the mouth closes, then so does the business, <laughs> right? So I have to put into place some sort of actual real life marketing. That, and, but then you know what? 
that actually goes back into our original thing about imposter syndrome. Like mm-hmm. it, it is so real because if I'm talking to a new agent that I've never worked with, I can talk to them about everything else. But me being a stager almost never comes out. Almost never. I can find out what their kids' names are, when their birthdays are, all of that. But me being a stager, no. It, because I feel like, why would they hire me? It's that moment of... Why wouldn't they hire you? That's what you have to think. Girl, you, that's what I'm trying to get to. That's, what, that's why I said the your mindset work is thing. Beautiful. Your work is beautiful. You're Thank professional. You. You're very personable. And obviously, you're able to build a business just strictly on word of mouth. So why wouldn't people hire you? You know what? That's this whole mindset thing and this whole imposter syndrome thing. Because when I compare my work to like a Meredith Bear who does like, right. You Meredith see that Bear has like a huge team. No. I, I read somewhere that she puts a million dollar on her MX car every single month. Right. I mean. <laughs> right. Like, so that's completely unrealistic. Yeah, it's like me comparing myself to Angelina Jolie. (laughs) She's got a full team to look like Angelina Jolie. I just got a little me. And I think, but that's, I think, part of how imposter syndrome happens. Like, we are, I know for myself, if I'm sitting here comparing myself to a Meredith Barry going like, I am nowhere near that ballpark. Come on. It took her, what, 20-something years to build this business. Completely different background. Completely different Come on. So we can't compare our beginnings to somebody else's highlight reel. And I know that that's what ends up happening with a lot of times. Like I said, when we get into this imposter syndrome, it's really because we're comparing ourselves to someone else and not comparing ourselves to our best. Did I do my best? Did I give my best? Am I progressing in my craft? Am I learning? Am I training? I know for myself, I'll look at her photographs and I'll pick apart, like you were saying before, studying. What makes this composition work? How is she telling the story? And it's has, it's not even her stage in these houses. It's like her huge yeah. team of 58 her empire. People. There you go. Her empire of people selling these houses and staging. But I think that's, that's one of those things that we've got to, I myself have to remember, you know what, I'm going to get there too. I'll, I'll get there. But every stage is my opportunity to grow and to be better. And it's that that thing of just getting beyond comparing myself to here like you you don't yeah i think so this is the way i think about it now actually like now that we're having this conversation i had an assistant actually who stole my clients and it's i was heartbroken because i was like really mentoring this girl and like really helping her right after she finished school and all this stuff and i turn around and figure out that find out that she's worked for one of my clients in private and and had no regret about it and then later on stole a bunch of portfolio photo off our website oh no yeah it was it was a it was a big thing and i was like heartbroken i remember sitting in a target parking lot in my car because i i left a message with my business mentor at the time and she called me back i just finished shopping for inventory and i remember it was like july i was sitting in the car it was really hot and i was like crying over this. And my business mentor was like, you know what? The reason why she did that is because you made your business look very easy to her because you're already at a much higher level than she is. Like, you know, I was already 10, 11 years into staging. She just got started. So to her, my business operation looks amazing. Hmm. And the thing is like, she does not understand how much blood, sweat and tears I put into my home staging business to get to where I am today in year 11. 
compared to her at year one. And so for her, like, you know, like that's what, that's what like we're talking about how, you know, you don't know what other people have gone through because they're already at a higher level. So when you are looking at them, you feel like, oh my God, I'm not good enough. And, but for me, I, you know, I, I talk about those experiences because I, I think of that as well, you know, like, you know, they say someone else's, you know, grass is always greener on the other side, but you don't know how much they pay in water bills to hmm. get grass that green. And it's the same thing, you know, like when we are looking at other people, they might be putting in hours and hours of work behind the scene to really make their business happen. And so instead of focusing on our inadequacy or feeling like we're not good enough, I think we should just really focus on what we're really good at and what we can do to improve ourselves, to really elevate our skills. Like my sister said, I know it sounds very silly now to think about it, but she's like, if you're bad, no one's going to hire you. Like, why would they hire you? Right? Especially we weren't charging like a beginner price point. You know, we were on a higher level in the price full park. And she's just like, if we're not good at what we do, then no one will hire us. But clearly we're fine because people are still booking. So she's like, get over it. But you know what, though? You have to have that voice of reason. And so it's good that you have that voice of reason to be able to say, hey, get out of your head and like take a look at the bigger picture, right? To be able to say somebody is hiring us. A lot of somebodies are hiring us to to do this work. And they're not, this isn't chump change. Like, no, this is yeah. not chump change at all. But it's something that, to just be honest with you, it's something that you, it's a constant reminder. It's not just a, I can think these great thoughts one time and it's fixed. It's something that until it becomes habit, you got to practice these thoughts of like, you know what, this is going to work. This is great. I am good enough. My talents, my skills are mine. And I definitely believe that whatever is meant for you, you'll get, you just have to keep working at it. And it's just that reminder. So like you were saying, but even with the girl that you made it look like it was easy. I think that's another thing too, about people getting into staging. A lot of people are like, oh, I think this would be great because HGTV makes it look easy. I think we make it look easy. It is not. But the thing that I love is I will talk to anybody about starting to stage, like having a staging company. Anybody. If I can help you, I'll, I'll do whatever I can because it's more to it than just making stuff pretty. But at the same time, like you were saying, it's a lot that goes into it. It's a lot of sleepless nights. It's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. And sometimes you've staged a house and you're up all night going, <sighs> did this look right? Are they going to like it in the morning when they go see it? I hope they love it when they see it. You know, it, it's, you're, you're just going to have those moments. But then I have to realize that any artist is going to have that moment. Even Picasso hated his stuff. He was just like, this is horrible. This is garbage. Yeah. This stuff is millions of dollars right now. So uh, you you hit the nail on the head. We can't be hard on ourselves. Just compare ourselves to what we did before. Keep working at it. It'll get better. That That's, that's all we can do. I think so. And I think also like staging is a skill. I mean, obviously it can be refined. Like you said, like I look at my first staging now. I'm like, oh my God. And actually, I cringe when you said about earlier podcast episodes. Like, I can't believe people still listen to that. I just cringe. So even I was listening to it then. <laughs> the back catalog. Oh my God. Like the audio. And then, ah, uh, you know, so, 
I think it is, a, it is a muscle that you exercise all the time. It's just like riding a bike. You know, when you first start riding it, you keep falling off of it. And now you can like drink a beer in one hand and then like, <laughs> I've seen that happen, you know, like, you know, I'm not at that level skill with riding a bike, Me but either. one day, hopefully I can drink a beer and ride a bike at the same time. But, but, you know, like it is a skill that you practice all the time. And I think it is important to look at your own work and then to see, okay, what are some of the things I can improve on? And also keep re-inspiring yourself as well. Like do content education courses. You know, that's why that's why I think education, I'm a big education person. I, yeah. So like for me, it's really important to re-inspire myself and to really learn different things to and you, you will see it in your work as well. Like it will really improve your work and also network, learn from other stagers. I remember we actually during, like, I think coin of our staging business, I think maybe six, seven years in, we actually bought another staging company. Wow. They're, they're a husband, wife team. And then they're both of their parents they are from the same town in Ohio, in Ohio. And then both of their parents got sick. So they decide they want to wrap up their business and then move back to Ohio to be with their parents and then so we end up buying their inventory, we bought their client list and whatever. And then so we actually went on a few staging jobs with the stager to see how they work. And it was really interesting because it's really nice actually to be able to observe how other stagers think and how they put the house together. It was actually a really great learning experience. And from that experience, like I refined my staging as well. So it is a learning process. You just never know where that lesson is going to come from. But if you stop learning and stop improving yourself, you run a really great risk at basically, you know, eventually kind of outdate yourself out of oh, the yeah. market. I don't have a better way to say it, but yeah, it is true because you kind of fall out of what is current. And then so then it reflects your work as well. Like people will think, oh, your work is not as fresh as the first was maybe a few years ago, or it just looks tired. So, so that's why it's really important to keep looking at your own work to see what are some of the ways you can improve as well. And I think that, I think we're both really big on education. I know for me, I took a staging training course online and I did get some good benefit out of that, but I knew that it wasn't enough. So as I started you know, started staging those one or two jobs. I went to the local community college and took a color theory course and took design courses there so I can get better at the design aspect of it because it's, again, it is not decorating. And I think so many stagers come into it having decorated before, but it's not necessarily decorated and it's not interior design, but you have to almost kind of parallel with the interior design world So getting design training, getting photography training, any kind of training that you can get, getting it and then implementing it, like practicing that. My kids will come in and be like, mom, where's our furniture? Because I've taken it all (laughs) and I'm practicing or I'm moving something. Or they'll just go, okay, she's got a staging job or something that's coming up that's really crazy because I'll practice these little vignettes or I'll try to, you know, practice color palettes to see how does this color palette work? How does it look in real life? So yeah, it's a constant refining. It's a constant training. It's a constant practice. You don't just take your training or some stagers are not taking training. And I think that I'm just going to say, whoever you choose to go to for training, 
Cindy uh, is great. <laughs> exactly. Cindy's great. But whoever they choose to go to, I highly recommend training because it is the thing that differentiates you from I do this on the side as, you know, this person that just, I like to decorate versus I'm trying to help you market your home. Visual marketing is what I like to call it. I'm helping you market your home. So it really helps to elevate, like once your skill set is elevate or you learn shortcuts on how to make it happen or how to mm-hmm. refine your work, that I think really makes a difference in the overall presentation. Because for us, I think for stagers, like your portfolio really is a key selling point. But also like the way you run your business as well. Like people get a vibe, you know, if you're like desperate for business, client will be like, oh, that means I can cut down the price. You know, like those are kind of things. And that's why like from a training provider kind of viewpoint, like now I I done the staging business for 12 years and now I'm teaching staging. I also need to figure out what exactly does home stager need. And sometimes home stagers don't know they need this. And then we're like, I feel like it's really important to have a course on this. So even though it doesn't sell very well, but I'm like, we need to still push this. Because I I do think a lot of things that we do, like whether it's on the business side of things, but also creative side of things, a lot of it ties into one another. So your portfolio is not only a communication tool, like, but it also sells you as well. And especially now, nowadays, everything's on the internet. People are going to check out houses before they buy. I mean, NAR has a statistic. It's like more than 90%. Oh, yeah. It's the same thing with hiring a stager. Even hiring a plumber. You go online first to look at plumbers, you know, like to look at reviews and all this stuff. It's the same process for a home seller, for a real estate agent when they're looking for stagers. They ask around their office, hey, do you know a stager that is good and it's not crazy expensive or whatever it is their requirements are? And then they get your name somehow. And same thing, like they do Google searches, they search online. They have the same access to Google just as we do, you know? So it's like they can do their own homework. And that's why like we have to figure out how can we not only sell through portfolio for our clients, but also through our own portfolio as well, because it's all about telling that story of who we are as a home stager through every piece of our business. And how we create that client experience as well to really create that longevity and a really true working relationship. Because I work with real estate agents where we're being treated like the help. And you're just like, oh, well, I don't think you're going to be my client for very long. (laughs) Because my business practice will tell you. But, you know, those are kind of things that you can do to really safeguard yourself as well as a business owner. So like you can draw the boundary mm-hmm. and you don't have to feel awkward to have these conversations where it's, it might be unpleasant in nature. It doesn't always have to be unpleasant. It can actually be a really great learning experience. Yeah, I think that if we look at them all like a learning experience, even the ones that aren't so fun to have, yeah, then we we just get better. That's it. Everything is a learning experience. And I know for me, the portfolio thing, I told you, I'm gonna have to talk to you later because mine is like <laughs> so bad. Like I can't look, I have like a tech phobia. I, I call it tech allergies <laughs> because like, I don't really Instagram. No, my Pinterest boards are my own private Pinterest boards. So I I have to get involved and I have to get much better. And so that's my goal for the last quarter of the year. And the first quarter is to get my digital marketing footprint, especially a whole lot better. Because yeah. a lot of stagers are now, a lot of stagers get business from Instagram. 
But even those yeah. Instagram photos need to be gorgeous. It, it's not. And okay, let me. Can I just say this? Make sure that it's your work, because yes. I have seen some stagers, and I'm like, I've seen that picture somewhere else, honey. I don't think that's you. But when some, yeah. just keep in mind, if somebody hires you on those pictures, you better be able to deliver what's on those pictures. And if you yeah. cannot. You better Google, you better get on something because they're hiring those photos. And if you cannot deliver what's on those photos, it's going to be bad for you. And yeah. real estate agents talk. Like I said, because for me, most of my stuff is word of mouth. And that means these agents are talking. These people are spending. And I think that we, we got to remember, they're spending two plus thousand dollars a lot of times on staging. That's not, I need a person to mow the lawn for 30, 45 dollars. That's not that. They are relying heavily on what other agents are saying. So yes, your portfolio has to be great. Your images need to be fantastic, but you need to be fantastic. You need to be a good person to work with because they rely very heavily on what other agents are saying. There could be 15, 20, 30 agents in one office. When they ask the question of, hey, who do you use for staging? If one agent's like, yeah, I use this person, then the other agent's like, no, don't ever use this person. They were horrible that's going to make it or break it for you right there in that office. You're going to have a lot of work to do. So yeah. it have good photographs, but deliver on those photographs. But you got to deliver you though. You got to show up. Yeah, that's the thing. I think that, I mean, that's a really good point because I know a lot of training schools include this like bank of photos for mm-hmm. their graduates to use. Then I think that is actually really dangerous because you're yes. using someone else's work. So A, there's copyright and intellectual property issue. And B, that can you really deliver on those photographs, you know? And same thing about using stock photos as well. I think it's fine to use it in your blog post to illustrate a point, mm-hmm. but you cannot use it to misguide your client in a way or like to present it in a way where they can mistake that as your work. Because they're going to expect you to deliver that atmosphere, that lifestyle, that kind of staging. And if you cannot, then they will feel really let down and then they will not hire you again. So those are kind of the things that people really need to watch out for. And I think a lot of stagers get stuck or new stagers get stuck. They're like, but I don't have any paying clients yet. But I always say this in our blog as well. You can start shooting portfolio photos at home. You know, you can... Stage your own house. You don't have to tell people that's actually my mom's cousin's brother's house. You know, like <laughs> you don't have to say any of those things. They just look at a house. The whole point of portfolio photo is to educate the client that you can deliver this type of staging and this is who you are as a stager and this is how you approach staging a house. It doesn't really need to say this is my mom's house. Like, no. You just need to show it before and after. So it can be your own house. It can be your kid's room. It can be, you know, your master bedroom. It can be your living room, your kitchen. It just, you need to showcase yourself that you can deliver staging this type of lifestyle, this type of home. Yeah. And I would recommend that when I first started, I didn't hire a professional photographer to do my photographs, but do the after shot first, make it pretty first get those and then just mess it up throw some stuff around i don't care just just mess it up then because it's easier to mess it up than it is to make it look pretty but i would also even if it's your mom's house your cousin's house whoever find a photographer in that area 
it could be $150, $100, whatever, if it's not you or somebody you know. And get professional shots done yeah. because that's going to make a difference. Now, these new iPhones, there's something serious. You may be great on the iPhone if you are by all means <laughs> go for that but make sure they look good but my biggest tip is just do the after shot first and then mess it up later and then do the before shot after that yeah but we're actually coming out with a photo course so you can learn how to shoot your own photograph because i think a lot of times people actually don't know how to use your camera and the other thing too is that once you know how to use your camera properly you can go on vacation like italy for example shoot amazing photos and come back use that in your staging because you learn how to do it. Hmm. So that's something that we're actually rolling out. Are you doing it on like, like, like your professional camera? Or are we talking like your iPhone pics? Both. Because or, actually it comes down to composition. Like I think there's a lot of misconception about what type of camera you use. Because I have girlfriends who use iPhone and they get a full exhibition with their iPhone photos. You know, like... Nice. I have a friend who shoot for Paris Fashion Week, not with an iPhone, but with like a smaller, <laughs> with a smaller mirrorless camera. A lot of big, you know, there's a lot of guys, big guys. For photo worlds, a, a very male dominated as well. So a lot of guys are like, oh, you're using this tiny little Sony mirrorless camera. And she gets her photos in like French Vogue. So doesn't matter how you use it yeah it's it's, it comes down actually to composition like how you compose the photos and same thing with the iphone the iphone is more restrictive because the sensor on it is a bit smaller but also like the distortion on the lens is a bit different than like you know a dslr so that's why you have more control as a photographer with a dslr uh, camera versus like an iphone but you can do really gorgeous photos you know like i go on vacation all like the best camera is always the one in your pocket so whatever you have with you really so like nowadays it's really the phone and so there are actually ways for you to improve your photo but also post-production as well like i know a lot of stagers now are buying presets so they can do one click edits for them and that is great but also if you know how to actually create your own preset that's even more powerful because you can really edit your photos in batches and just really figure out how you can present your photos in a way that you want visually and you don't have to rely on someone else's preset that's a class i need to take if you learn if you learn this like that's the thing like camera all this is like technical details right but if you learn how to do it if you know the basics you can break the rules and recreate your own effect and that's why there's so many different ways of photographs the same thing you know i I go on different photography workshops for example like a couple years ago i went on where we shoot a lot of like chairs for example and every photographer has a different style of how they interpret it we all have our unique sense of style and our way of composition And also playing with lighting as well. Like there are parts we use really dark and moody lighting to really create this like, you know, dark, gorgeous mood. And there are people who really like bright and fresh. And the thing is why people are really popular on Instagram is because A, they have a very consistent visual styling. Like if you follow big interior Instagrammers, for example, they have a certain color palette they use all the time. They have a certain way of like how they light their rooms you know, it's all very consistent. So immediately you see like Emily Henderson, for example, like it's more colorful. It's still very light and fresh. They have this California vibe versus someone who's like 
Georgiana Gaines, for example, it's like that color palette is very like earthy, you know, very like muted. <laughs> farm planks, all this good stuff. You're um, over so it's it. like very, it's all very different. And but the thing is, like, why people are popular on Instagram is they have a very unique style point of view. And same thing with staging. You know, if you have a very unique style point of view, people immediately see this. Okay, I know Cindy stages, or I know Shay stages. this. Like you were talking about your client earlier, mm-hmm. they're like, "You did stages? Did you? This doesn't look like you." They knew. immediately and you can definitely as a stager you can create your own brand as well i interviewed this real estate agent in san francisco a few years back from compass and then she was saying that in in markets like san francisco like hiring whatever stager you hire is like you want to have that cool stager to stage your house clients would even say i want so-and-so to stage my listing because they're the it stager that they want to hire so you can definitely create your sense of personal brand and style within your home staging company. So that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to help and support the show, there are three ways to do so. You can leave a review and rating on iTunes. You can share the show on social media, or you can donate to support the maintaining costs for the podcast. You can make a donation through the show notes or on the sidebar of our site. If you haven't left a review on iTunes, please do so. This will help us grow the show and book more guests. If you have any questions, feedback, and suggestions, you can comment on the show notes. You can also find the show notes by going to stagemore.com slash podcast. That's it. Have a fantastic week and happy staging.